Aren't you glad you know his name tonight? His name is Jesus. And he's great and greatly to be praised. Well, I, I am very thankful to be the second greatest quiz master in all the land. And uh, I just want you to ignore the fact that there were only two. That's irrelevant to the award. And so I'm appreciative. In, in all honesty, I, I do want to say, all joking aside, I'm very proud of our uh, quiz teams this year and all the, all the young people and the coaches that work so hard and all the scriptures they learned and all the great things that went into it. Uh, what, a, what a way to grow up memorizing the Word of God. Memorizing the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee, O God. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for every scripture that I learned as a child. And uh, it, it sticks with you. It stays in your heart. I want to direct your attention to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 and verse number 32. And then we will also be going to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. We're going to look at three passages very briefly, three passages of Scripture. And we're going to be looking at what I consider to be <laughs> some of the most uncomfortable miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible. Now, in the Old Testament, there are quite a few uncomfortable miracles. How many would like to have to go dip seven times in a muddy, snake-infested river? That wouldn't be very exciting, would it? Uh, so in the Old Testament, we have quite a few. But in the New Testament, we also have some. We usually gloss over them or skip over them. They're not the ones that we preach from real often. But... These are miracles of Jesus, no less important or noteworthy than all of his other miracles. But I think that as pastor preached this morning, a tremendous miracle where the nobleman came to Jesus and had a child that needed to be healed. I think instinctively we all want that kind of miracle where Jesus just says it and we get home and it's done. Amen. Wouldn't that be nice? Sometimes we just want Jesus to speak it, and then we go home and everything's taken care of. But it, it doesn't always work that way, does it? And we see that in Mark chapter 7, verse 32. And they bring unto him Jesus, one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude. Now they asked him to lay hands on him. I want you to notice that. They said, preacher, we want you to lay hands on this deaf man. And in verse 33, instead of just doing what they asked him to do, he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit. We're still talking about Jesus, you understand. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, 
and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. Now, if, uh, if Pastor and I started spitting on our fingers and sticking them in people's ears, we, we'd have people leave pretty quickly. But how many understand that's what Jesus did? And then in chapter 8, just one chapter later, verse 22, you can look with me there. And Jesus cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Again, they just wanted Jesus to lay hands on him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, everybody catch that? Preacher, lay hands on me. Spit in his eyes. And put his hands upon him, and he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 9. I'm hurrying along. Gospel of John chapter 9. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And then Jesus responded that that's a silly notion. Verse 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Verse 11, he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. I'd like to preach tonight. Very briefly, and I, I only have a few short points, but I do believe it's relevant. I'd like to preach messy blessings, messy blessings. Put your Bibles down, lift up your hands. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd help us, God. There are people in this room tonight who have need of a blessing. They have need of a miracle, Lord, but it doesn't always happen the way we want it to happen, God. You're not always moving in the way that we expect you to be moving, and I pray, God, that we could be sensitive to how you're moving and in the way that you're operating, Lord. That we know that you do all things well, that you do all things good, that you do all things right. And Lord, we surrender to your plan and your way. If you want to be surrendered to God's plan, to God's will, to God's way, whatever it is, would you just worship the Lord for a moment? Lift up your voice. Lift up your heart to Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I magnify you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. I think that as we go through life, we all, all come to a place where we need a miracle. We need a blessing from God. We need the Lord to do something, whether it be a blindness, a physical blindness, uh, a, a deafness. Perhaps it's something that uh, is even hard to mention to people. Oftentimes, like the woman with the issue of blood, we have a need that is private, a need that uh, is shameful to us. We don't particularly like to tell people the need that we have, but no less 
we still need Jesus to move in that situation. And so sometimes we have to crawl on the ground. Sometimes we have to break through rooftops and we do whatever we can do to get to Jesus. We often say in Pentecost that we need a breakthrough. We're pressing towards a breakthrough. And, uh, and I know it's summertime and, and I can feel that summer spirit kind of slipping upon us. But even still, I can sense in the spirit that even in the midst of heat and summer and change and all of these things, there are people in this room tonight that need God to give them a breakthrough. You need God to bless you. Areas that you don't even like to talk about. Those are the hardest ones because uh, there, there are needs that sometimes we are, we're very open with. And they're the needs that we feel are acceptable needs. And then there are needs in our life that sometimes we feel are unacceptable to mention because we're afraid that someone might look down upon us. We're afraid that someone might think less of us if they knew that need. And yet we trust that God can move in the midst of any circumstance. And so we cry out to God. We reach out to God. But I have found in my experience with the Lord that breakthroughs and blessings and miracles do not always occur the way that we want them to occur in our lives. Oftentimes, miracles are messy. Oftentimes, blessings are, uh, are moving in a way that we do not expect or see. And sometimes, messy blessings make us uncomfortable. And because no one likes to be uncomfortable, if I told somebody right now, and I know evangelists who've done this very effectively, if I told someone right now that if you would stand up and run the aisles, the Lord would heal you and provide for you, most people in this room, your pride would keep you from doing that, even if you knew I was in the will of God, because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to stand out from the crowd. We don't want God to do something that calls attention to our pain, to our brokenness. And yet, if you study scripture, many, many times Jesus identified the person and the problem publicly. And then when he performed the miracle, it was messy and unusual. And if someone would have said, Lord, I don't want you to spit in my eye, they would have missed the miracle. They would have missed the miracle. I often think in my own life, how many miracles have we missed because we were unwilling to allow God to make a mess in our situation? How many times have we missed the plan of God and the will of God because our pride kept us from doing what God was calling us to do? I'm going to wake somebody up in a moment here. If we just get to the place where we can say, Lord, I am willing for you to make a mess in the mud in order to do what needs to be done. Now, this is hard because uh, I'm, like, I'm like most people here tonight. I, I don't want anyone to spit anywhere on me, let alone in my eye. Uh, I, I'm like most of you. I, I don't want anybody to, to take some mud, some clay, and spit in it and turn it into a mixture and then smear that on my eyes. I just There's nothing appealing about that to me. In fact, it feels incredibly disrespectful on the surface. Now, I know that there are all kinds of theological reasons that Jesus did this, but I didn't come here to preach to you tonight all the reasons that Jesus spit and all the reasons that he used mud and all the reasons he told the blind man to go wash in the pool. There's many powerful reasons for that, but when you come down to the simplicity of it, 
I want somebody to understand tonight that Jesus is looking to see if we are willing to go through the messing so that we can get to the blessing. Because sometimes you have to be willing to endure some messing so you can get to a blessing. Why does God do this? I believe God does this because he is trying to break through our pride. He's trying to break down our resistance. He's trying to break down our barriers. And God knows our hearts. And God knows that even some of you came to church tonight and you wanted church to go your way. You wanted the three songs and you wanted the goosebumps on the second song. And you wanted to dance for 30 seconds on the third song. And then you wanted to have a nice sermon and a little altar call. And then the Holy Ghost show up right when you want it to show up in the altar. And if if it takes a little too long if the Holy Ghost tarries a minute or two or three you'll just conclude well it wasn't a great service tonight we'll go to Zaxby's and get something to eat but I came to preach to somebody that blessings don't always work that way you can't put God on a time schedule you can't say preacher the only way I'm going to get my miracle is if you lay hands on me preacher the only way I'm going to get my miracle is if you walk around me four times no sometimes you're going to have to walk down to the muddy Jordan River and listen to the voice of an old prophet that looks a little crazy that sounds a little crazy he might even smell a little crazy but he said boy you better get down in the water if you want to be made whole because sometimes you've got to go through some messing before you can get to a blessing sometimes God is looking at our hearts and he knows that we have that little barrier of resistance that is standing between us and the will of God and he has to get down in the mud and he has to spit in that mud and he looks us in the eyes that we can't even see with yet and he says are you willing to allow me to do something that makes you uncomfortable I know it's Sunday night and I know it's summertime but I think that somebody needs to get the mindset that you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone if you want God to do a new thing in your life. If you have a desperate need, you're not going to be able to just go through the motions and say, preacher, lay your hands on me and if it doesn't work, I'm going home mad. No, you've got to understand that sometimes there's going to be some dirt and there's going to be some mud and there's going to be some spittle and there's going to be an awkward moment with God. People might look at me funny. Can you imagine how people were looking as Jesus stuck his fingers in that deaf man's ear? See, we don't want to be made uncomfortable in church anymore. We, we live in a culture now where, where people don't even want to come by themselves to repent of their sins. You, there was a time when we would give a sinner's plea, a sinner's call, and then sinners would have to come down that long shotgun aisle. Anybody remember how churches used to be? Every church in America had a shotgun aisle. It was two rows and a center aisle, and sometimes there wasn't even any room on the outside. It was a great big fire hazard, Brother Jenks, and people would have to come down that middle aisle. And most of the time, the sinners were on the back row. And so when the preacher gave the call, they had to be willing to get up from the back row in front of everybody. And the preacher had just been preaching about those drunken... (laughs) 
slobs out there who needed a touch from God and they had to get up and say that's me but I don't want to be that way anymore and they'd have to make their way down that middle aisle in front of everybody and get down on an old bench in front of the whole church and repent of their sins what is that you know what I I see many lives that did that that are still changed today because they were willing to get up in front of everybody and feel awkward and uncomfortable in front of God and man and everybody else and yet here on a Sunday night with apostolics who've probably been serving God for 20 or 30 plus years we don't even want to be asked to step out of our pew and worship God but sometimes you've got to be willing to be awkward and uncomfortable so that God can do something in your life the messing before the blessing now There's a second element here to messy blessings that I have experienced in my own life. And I don't know why it is that God works this way in in my life. God has always worked in kind of unique and unusual ways in my life. And that is that before every great blessing in my life, before every great miracle in my life, have you ever had a miracle? Anybody can just testify you ever had a great blessing in your life? I don't know how it is for you. I, I suspect that if we took a poll, you would identify with what I'm saying. But in my life, there has always been a messing around of the devil in my life just in the hours before the blessing. In the days, in the weeks before God was about to do something miraculous, something powerful. There was a dark moment. There was a season of pain, a season where it felt like everything around me was messy. It felt like everything around me was falling apart. It felt like I was losing control of everything that I held dear, of everything that I understood because the enemy started messing with my blessing in advance. Anybody still with me tonight? Anybody identify with that? The enemy comes in like a flood and there is that moment, we quote that scripture that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. It says he will raise up a standard against him. Now, in our minds, when we quote that scripture, we think of it this way. The enemy comes in like a flood, and 10 seconds later, the Lord raises up a standard against the enemy, and everything's okay. But that isn't what the scripture says. Sometimes there's a little space between the enemy coming in like a flood and the Lord raising up a standard against the enemy. When the Israelites were standing in front of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was coming, God did not immediately part the Red Sea. They had to go through some moments of fear, some messy moments where some people said, Moses, did you bring us out here into the wilderness to die? And then you had somebody over here that said, well, at least we had onions and at least we had some food to eat back in Egypt when we were slaves. And then you had some people who contemplated giving up and some people who wanted to throw Moses into the Red Sea itself. And you had all of these messy things happening and Moses had to stand there and endure all of this fear and all of the turmoil of the people around him. And do you notice what God said to Moses? He said, stand still. Still. 
I know it feels like everything around you is falling apart. I know it feels messy over here and you've got a mess to clean up over there and you're not sure how that mess is ever going to be straightened up. But what I want you to do right now, Moses, is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I can hear the voice of the Lord preaching into somebody's mess tonight. And some of you came here with a mess in your home and a mess in your heart and a mess in your mind. You can't even get control of your thoughts you're so torn up internally that you don't even know how to think straight anymore but I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord somebody came in tonight so full of fear you don't even know what faith is anymore but stand still and see the salvation of the Lord because the enemy will always start messing in the final moments before the blessing. Satan didn't know what God was going to do with the Red Sea. He doesn't know God's plans. He doesn't know God's thoughts. And he doesn't know the future. But Satan's smart enough to know how God operates. And Satan knew that when God's people were stranded in front of a sea, that God was not going to forsake them there. God was not going to leave them there forever. Satan knew that was not the end of God's people all he knew is I can get a few of them I can get somebody I can get in somebody's spirit I can get a hold of a Korah right now and I can start a bitterness in his spirit that will carry over beyond this valley and take him to another place I'm preaching to somebody tonight you better stand still right now because if you let the enemy mess with you in the final moments before your blessing you'll come out on the other side side but in your next wilderness experience you will be so full of venom you will lift your hand against the things of God and you will miss out on the miracle of the promised land in the final moments of the messing that's the key I believe to every every child of God it's how you respond in those critical dark moments when you're not even sure which way to turn and you're not sure which way to go and you have no idea how God is going to bring you out and you don't understand why God is doing what he's doing why, Lord, would you bring me? Think about it for a moment. It, you know, we, we look back and we know the story. We, we learned it in Sunday school, so it all seems so simple. Why wouldn't they have faith? Why wouldn't they just know that God's going to part the Red Sea? Well, you go back there and live that without the benefit of hindsight, and you wouldn't know either. Because some of you are standing at a Red Sea right now, and you're saying to God, Why? How? When? Where? They're standing at this Red Sea, and it, it makes sense if you think about it. it. It's just human nature. I like to think I wouldn't have been one of those people, but, but you don't really know until you get there, do you? It's easy to be critical of other people, but until you've been through what other people have been through, you don't know how you'll respond. And they get to this Red Sea, and, and they, in their natural heart, it just... I can understand why someone would say it doesn't make sense, God. You, you bring a deliverer. You fulfill the prophecy. All of the, 
Pharaoh did the unthinkable. He let us go. He, he did, we saw the signs and wonders. And, and then you bring us all of this way. See, see, we're hard on them, but some of you, that's exactly where you are in your mind. You brought me all of this way, Lord. I, sometimes we say it this way. I've served you all of these years. I've been faithful to you. I hear this a lot. I've paid my tithes for 20 years. Isn't it funny how we immediately go to our tithes and offerings when we're questioning God? I've been doing this all of these years, Lord. And why am I here in front of a Red Sea? Why is this happening? And it's in that critical moment where we have to make a decision that will impact us for a long time. Will we stand still and trust God? Or will we start losing our mind and reacting to the device of the enemy in our life? You see, most of the time when people start uh, backsliding, it's a reaction to a mess. It's in reaction to something that doesn't make sense. And, and in those moments, you have to cling to the one thing that always makes sense. That God is good and his mercy endureth forever that God is great and greatly to be prayed if you can't remember anything else about God just remember this when the enemy is messing with your blessing just tell yourself God is great and greatly to be praised I may not understand what's happening but Lord you are good and your mercy endureth forever God I worship you hey when my heart is overwhelmed Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, my God. When I don't understand, I'm just going to write a new song to you, Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you can always know that even when you can't see his rod and you can't see his staff and you can't feel his touch, you can always know that he is with you. He's with you in the valley. He's with you on the mountaintop. Don't forget when the devil is messing with your blessing, when he's trying to steal your miracle, that God is for you. And if God is for you, nothing can be against you. But it takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. In those moments where you can't see, to simply stand still. I feel a prophetic spirit right now. Do not make decisions when you are questioning God. I'm going to say that one more time. If I've ever been in the Holy Ghost, you don't have to run or shout. Do not make critical life decisions when the enemy is messing with your blessing. The only decision that you should ever make when you're standing in front of a Red Sea and you don't know how God's going to do it. And you're feeling a little anxiety and you're feeling a little tension with God. You know what I'm talking about where you're just feeling that little Lord, why? The only decision that you should ever make in that moment is not to start skipping church. It's not to go out and change your whole life. No, you're st- the only decision that you should make is I'm going to stand still. I'm going to plant my feet when I've done all that I can do to stand. 
I'm going to stand there for having my loins girt about with the gospel. Hey, when you've done everything else and you don't know what else to do and it still doesn't make sense and the enemy is still coming in like a flood, just stand and say, Lord, I'm ready for that standard to be raised against the enemy right now. Somebody ought to stand up and say that right now. Lord, I'm ready for you to raise up that standard against the enemy. I'm ready for you to do it, God. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm just standing here, Lord. I can't even fight anymore. I need you to raise up a standard. Somebody's discouraged tonight because you don't have the strength to fight anymore. And that's exactly where God wants you to be. Because God's been trying to get you to stop fighting your battles for a long time. You need to just stand still and let God fight your battle. You need to just stand there with the full armor of God and say, Lord, I can't even use my sword anymore. But now I need you to come in like a flood against the flood that's coming against me. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So take heart and know, and I've begun to learn in my life, it's not easy. It's not an easy lesson. You can be seated. It took me a long time. It took me most of my young adult life to understand, not to become discouraged when things become unbearable, because when things become unbearable, that means you are right on the verge of a breakthrough. That means that God is just about to step in. That God is just about to have the final say. That God is just about to make a move. I'm speaking right into somebody's spirit tonight. You, you, you've been holding on for a long time and you're discouraged. But I came with a word from the Lord for you. That if you will hold on and stand still. God is just about to do the impossible. And it feels like it won't happen. Because you've been holding on for a long time. And the enemy has been fighting against your blessing. He's been fighting against the promises of God in your life. He's been trying to steal your joy. He's been trying to steal your faith that's the reason that he begins to work harder right when your blessing is about to come because he's trying to rob you of the very things that is going to bring the blessing to you in the first place because if he can steal your faith you'll lose your miracle if he can steal your praise you'll lose God's favor if he can steal your faithfulness you will lose the touch of God in your life and so if you give that to the enemy he wins but I came to let somebody know we're not gonna let the enemy win tonight we're gonna stand still when the storm rages we're gonna stand still when the boat's rocking we're gonna stand still and watch for Jesus to walk out towards us on the waves <laughs> now messy blessings the enemy starts messing with your blessing but there comes a point where God says that's enough and that's a good thing, but you still don't have your blessing and you still don't have a miracle yet. There's still a process you have to go through. So God stops the enemy and then you're face to face with Jesus. In the New Testament, it's usually in church, but it can be in your car. It can be in your prayer closet. It can be anywhere. For some reason, it seems to be church because that's where we bind our, our faith together and unity rises and and there's just something about God's people getting together. It just lifts our faith. And the, the word is preached. And, and we sing unto the Lord. And, and all of the ingredients are there for an atmosphere of faith. And so you'll get to a moment where God starts uh, standing before you saying, I, I'm going to do this for you. And, and perhaps you're even asking God to do it. Just like these examples in the Bible. 
And you're saying, Lord, I, I need you to move in this circumstance. But now you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You can either say, Lord, I'm going to receive the miracle my way. Or you can say, Lord, I'm going to allow you to do it your way. Lord, if you need to make a mess in my life, if you need to create some discomfort, are you willing to pray this prayer with me tonight? Because this is a hard prayer to pray. I'm trying to help somebody get to a blessing and a miracle, but you're going to have to pray some hard prayers. You're going to have to pray something like, Lord, if you have to drag me through the mud, if that's what has to happen in my life for me to finally receive this breakthrough, Lord, I, I'm willing God, take your hand, reach down into the clay, and, and Lord, spit in it. That's all right. I, I, I know I don't like that, but God, it's not the way. I, I just wanted the preacher to anoint me with oil and everything be, you know, and just stand there and in 30 seconds, everything be right. That's what I wanted, Lord. But God, if that's not your will, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. If, if you've got to spit on your fingers and put your fingers in my ears, see, this makes you uncomfortable because this isn't the way we think about miracles, but I'm in the Bible right now. If, if you've got to do something a little strange, Lord, and, and, and I don't understand it, I'm willing to go through it. What if I told you that all God wanted you to do is stand up right now and shout with a voice of triumph in front of God and man and everybody else for you to get your miracle? What if I told you that? Would you do it? I don't know. I don't know. Some of you would not. Some of you would not. Some of you would miss the miracle because you would say that's strange. That's awkward. That's unusual. I want it the way I want it. I, I want to come at, at prayer time and, I, and when they're still singing up there. And I, I want it to be a quiet. I want to come with other people so nobody looks at me. And, and, uh, and I want the preacher to kind of come over quietly and, and anoint me with oil. Nobody's looking. And, I wanted, and then I want my miracle right then. But what if God wanted you to do something else? What if God wanted to give you a messy blessing? Are you only willing to be blessed the way you want to be blessed? Or will you take the miracle any way God decides to give it to you? Because sometimes God, and it, you know, I'll just be honest with you, in my life, it seems like it's everybody else who gets the miracle where Jesus says, go thy way, everything's bit good. <laughs> just go home and everything's going to be right when you get there. The miracle, that doesn't seem to happen to me. For me, in my life, it's always Jesus getting down in the mud and saying, all right, Ryan, you're going to have to get down here in the mud with me. And, and, and you're going to have to put your hands in the mud. And, and you're going to have to even sit in it for a minute. And then I'm going to touch you, and it's going to hurt. It's going to be awkward. People are going to look at you funny. I, I'm just being real with you tonight, but I'm telling you, I don't care what God has to do to me. I just want to be, be in the will of God. I don't care. If I have to wallow in the mud with Jesus, I'll get down in the mud with Jesus. I'd rather be in the mud with Jesus than on a mountaintop with anybody else any day of the week. And, and, and sometimes God said, you're going to have to be messy for a while. And, and people are going to know about your mess. And people are going to talk about your mess. But it's all right because I'm working all things together for your good. If you will just trust me in this moment. And here is the revelation that God gave me. And I'm closing. Musicians, come. Don't play yet, but come. And because I'm the kind of person that I am. 
because that's the way God operates in my life, and I really suspect that God wants to operate in your life that way as well, but some of you resist it because you don't want it to be messy. You want it to be clean and easy. You want a microwave blessing. I do too. I'm not being critical because I'm right there with you. I want to be able to go 30 seconds, start. I'm waiting, Lord. You know, that's how we do God in our altar services now, by the way. Did you know that? I've been deeply concerned about this in our church, not just our church, but our church as well. Churches all over the country, I noticed it. People come to the altar like they go to their microwave at home. And they push a button in their spirit. 30 seconds. Start. I'm waiting, Lord. And then if it doesn't happen in 30 seconds or less, God forbid anybody tries to move them to pray. Because they've got other plans. And we wonder why we don't have altar calls like we used to have. Sometimes we need to tarry in the altar. Sometimes we have to tarry in the altar. And so being who I am, my personality, and my mother will tell you she did a lot of preaching to me because I was a questioner as a teenager and a child. I was a back talker, wasn't I? I was a smart mouth. Grandpa Smith used to call me the mouth from the south, even though I wasn't from the south. I was born in the north, but he was so ashamed that I was born in the north that he still called me the mouth from the south. I tried to get mom to come to Memphis to have me just so that I could have been born in Memphis. So I could at least have been born in the south. I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. Amen. And so I questioned God because God works this way in my life. And I asked him, I said, Lord... Why is it that in my life it seems like it's, I'm always, you know, you do the miracle and you do the blessing. Are you thankful for the blessings of God in your life? I'm, I'm thankful for the miracle. I'm, I'm thankful for the blessing. But why do I always have to get messy? Why do I always have to get down in the mud? Why, why are you always spitting in my eye, Lord? Have you ever prayed like that? Am I the only crazy person? But I prayed like that, Lord. Why does it feel like I'm always the guy who's getting spit in his eye? You give me the miracle, but everybody else is just getting to walk home, and there it is. And I'm getting my eyes spit in, Lord. And the Lord began to deal with me. He rosata. And this is a revelation for somebody. You're gonna, if you get it, this will change your life. But you're going to have to be spiritual to get this revelation. This is, not, this is not for people drinking milk. This is for meat eaters only. And the Lord spoke to me. And said, have you ever noticed in all of those miracles in the New Testament where I spit on somebody or I made dirt into mud? In the instances, the very few instances in Scripture where that happened, it was either a blind man or a deaf man. And the Lord said to me, Ryan, when you are willing to go through the messy miracles, I give you revelation. 
And I allow you to hear my voice in ways that other people cannot hear. Stand with me, I'm closing. Here I was complaining with God and God said to me, I made you go through it differently than other people because when you allow me to spit in your eye and you allow me to put mud on your face, that gives you an illumination that other people cannot have. That gives you a spiritual vision that other people will not have. When you allow me to put my fingers in your ears, I know there's other people here healed other ways. I know other blessings came other ways, but because you surrendered and humbled yourself, now you have access to my voice because you let me touch your hearing while others just wanted me to speak into their hearing. Sometimes God puts us through things that are uncomfortable. Sometimes God allows us to go through a mess because he wants to give us a blessing that is greater than other blessings. But you're going to have to be willing to endure some discomfort that other people are not willing to endure. You can play softly. I wonder if I'm preaching to somebody. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been enduring some things for a while. Maybe the enemy's been messing with your blessing for a long time. And you feel like you're going to stand in front of that Red Sea forever. And maybe God has been dealing with you and saying, I want to give you a miracle, but it's going to take something uncomfortable. And you've been resisting it because it doesn't seem fair. You want God to work in your life the way he's worked in other people's lives. But God is calling you to something higher. God is calling you to an anointing that will take a brokenness that other people don't have to experience. Because the greater the molding and the greater the breaking, the greater God will use you as he molds you into his image. I wonder if I've been preaching to you tonight and I want to do something different because I just preached about it. This is not an open altar call. I'm not inviting everybody to the altar. I'm inviting people who identified with what I preached tonight who would be willing to step in this altar in front of God and everybody else. It'll make you feel awkward because people are going to look at you, but it doesn't matter what people think. You just need God. I want you to come and lift up your hands, and I want you to just say, Lord, I'm...